Are you listening to CBJRadio.com yet? It's a free internet radio station. You don't have to sign up for it. Brand new shows every day. Shows range from all rock shows to all independent artist shows to request shows to hip-hop shows. And don't forget about Retro Saturday Nights where you're going to get 80s, grunge, and glam metal on Retro Saturday Nights. Make sure you make CowboyJoeRadio.com the only internet radio station you listen to. Hello, friends. How you doing? I'm doing great. I went to Red Rocks this last weekend to see one of my favorite bands, Widespread Panic. For those of you who don't know Widespread Panic, they are a southern rock blues band with lots of jamming. Look them up. Now, if you don't know what Red Rocks is, it's a venue just outside of Denver, and it's set between some big rocks making a natural amphitheater. A great place to see a show, and only two and a half hours away from Laramie. Now this trip, it rained pretty hard during the shows on Friday and Sunday, but rain will not drive the widespread panic fan away. It was such a good time, and it was such a good time to see my friends and hear some great music. Today's guest is me. Yeah, you probably saw it in the title of the episode, and you may have heard some of these stories in other episodes, but this one is me interviewing me. Let's get to it. Justin, first questions first. Where were you born and raised? Well, I was born and raised in a town called Gresham, Oregon. It's a suburb of Portland, Oregon. I was born at the Gresham Hospital. Lived in Gresham, Oregon till I was about 13. So the bulk of my raising was there. I learned a lot about life there. My parents uh, both moved from Washington to Oregon after they met in college, I do believe at Central Washington. And uh, my dad was a teacher and my mom worked some odd jobs at the time, uh, basically an office assistant for a a long period of her life, maybe the bulk of her life. Uh, My dad's parents are first generation Norwegians that grew up, I think in North Dakota primarily. Um, I'm, I'm developing that family tree. I'm getting to know a lot of my relatives via Facebook. And uh, my mom's family, I don't know that much past uh, my grandma and grandfather. Um, but I should ask questions. I should ask more questions. I should get to learn. So, mom, if you're listening to this or Rochelle, listen to this and you can fill in the blanks, uh, that would be great um, about Grandma Ward and her family and such, and Grandpa Ward, too. Uh, I have three sisters. I have an older sister who is six years older than me. Uh, I have a stepsister. I think she's about four years older than me. And then I have a younger sister who is about 11 years younger than me. And so I'm the only boy. It was was a different life growing up. Uh, I remember when I found out my mom was pregnant with my little sister, I wanted a little brother real bad. And I'm glad I got a little sister because... Well, I didn't have to share anything, but yet I would have appreciated some help in a lot of the quote-unquote like male uh, chores, boy chores uh, that I got to do uh, growing up, mowing the lawn, picking up dog poop, stuff like that, uh, that that it was deemed. I think I only remember doing that myself. I don't know if my sister, little sister, had to do that. Uh, I had left our house when I was 18, so I didn't know what... Uh, she got into. I mean, I was in college, but I didn't live at home after that. And so she had to do the dog poop picking up. But let's rewind back to growing up in Gresham, Oregon. Uh, It's a childhood I think a lot of people should be jealous of. Uh, I had about an acre of forest behind my house uh, that I can remember. I know we lived in another house from ages zero to six. And from what I've been told, I was a hellion. I was a real naughty kid. Uh, I couldn't go to restaurants without throwing a fit or getting into trouble or uh, stores. Uh, My parents tell me a story about hiding from my grandmother in a clothing rack. And my grandmother, she got really, really mad at me. I don't remember any of this. 
I remember about sixth grade on when we moved to that house in Gresham uh, that had the uh, forest behind it. And there was a forest of our property, and then there was about another acre of protected green land. And then there was like a neighborhood where all my friends lived. So I had a forest to grow up in. We call it the woods to uh, let my imagination run wild. We played swords. We played uh, guns. Um, we played a lot of, of different games out in that forest. We built forts. Uh, sometimes we would heist some leftover wood from construction sites and build forts that way like a lot of kids did. Or we just, um, one time I remember cutting out the inside of, uh, we called them sticker bushes. Like, were they boysenberry? I can't remember what they're called, but berry bushes. We cut out the inside. You couldn't see us in the inside. And we had tunnels and such. That was pretty fun. Uh, there was a creek that ran through that forest. For the most part, you could get back and forth across the creek pretty easily. Sometimes it would flood. It was in Oregon and it'd get real big. And then you'd have to go the long way on Powell Valley Road was the road I lived on. Um, there was a, a pipe and it went under that, that road, Powell Valley Road. And I remember we used to have to uh, jump back and forth on the pipe going down the road. And uh, nowadays, when I go and look at this, this pipe, it was big enough to fit us as kids. And I don't feel like I'm that much taller, maybe a foot taller than I was growing up then and could still go through that pipe. And it's severely smaller. I think they replaced it, but I'm not really sure. But my friends who grew up with me in that neighborhood uh, remember that pipe very well. Uh, Charlie Barrett was uh, that closest house. He was my childhood best friend. Uh, we're still great friends today. We've got the, the Millers. Uh, and that was a family of five brothers that I knew. More kids came later. It was Joey, Sean, Nicholas, David, and Christian. Then we had uh, the Dollar Boys, which were uh, Curtis, Robert, and John right next to them. Uh, those were probably the bulk of the guys I hung out with. There was a guy named Sean that was on our street, that street as well. Um, I later on got into Boy Scouts with my friend Alden, who I went through school with. Uh, first grade all the way till seventh grade when I moved and we joined the Boy Scouts at the same time. We were in the same patrol. Uh, it was good times. He's a, he's a great friend, still a good friend today. Um, I remember some Boy Scout stories of uh, camping. We got to camp a lot there. Wyoming, not so much year-round camping, Oregon for sure. And our dads would take us and our dads were mostly Vietnam vets. And so they would tell us um, Vietnam stories, the PG versions, of course. And they're so interesting. And uh, it's hard to imagine looking at our dads now that they, they fought in Vietnam. Uh, it's just amazing. I mean, they're just tough, tough gentlemen and such. And uh, we also did a particular Boy Scout um, outing where part of the year you would go up and move a lot of wood into this cabin. And then the, in the winter, you would go and you would uh, sled or inner tube on the hill around the cabin and you'd use that firewood for the fire that heated the cabin. So if you put in the work, you gotta go to this thing called winter camp. And it was so much fun to get on those inner tubes and ride the hills. And uh, I remember one time, I think I landed on my face uh, and I had like a uh, snow burn on my face. There was a few injuries here and there. Um, none happened to my friends. Major injuries happened to my friends or my troop, but I think somebody might have broken their leg during one of our uh, winter camps. I'm, sh I'm not sure if it even still exists anymore. I believe the Boy Scout troop was 586, and there was a paper box uh, in Gresham there uh, that we would have to bag up all the newspapers. People would come and recycle newspapers there, and we'd bag them up and make sure they were uh, in order. Um, sometimes we'd have to fill up trucks and take them to the recycling plant. And so that was some of the things we did in Boy Scouts. Uh, the schools I went to in Oregon were uh, Powell Valley Elementary School and uh, Gordon Russell Middle School. They were good times. Uh, I believe my class through Powell Valley was predominantly females uh, for the most part. So we got outvoted on a lot of stuff as males. And uh, I couldn't wait to get to middle school because, yes, we were outnumbered. Uh, by girls and I wasn't quite like into girls like I was into middle school 
And so, yeah, that, that was an interesting class. And we are in the track system. I don't know if you know what that is. The track system is school year school round. You had A track, B track, C track, and D track. I was in D track, and I think that gave you the most time off in the summertime. I think everybody got summertime off, but D track got the most because it worked with our uh, you go to school for nine weeks, three weeks off, go to school for nine weeks, three weeks off. I didn't mind it because I really didn't know any different. Then I went on to middle school, and some of my classmates went into a situation where they had a different teacher for each class. I had the same teacher for this, all of my classes except, I believe, PE and English, uh, Mr. Berg, Burglar, Berglin, I think that was his name. And uh, that was sixth grade. And then seventh grade, he got into where the classes were a different teacher each class. Uh, we also had another middle school, maybe two middle schools, came into our middle, no, not middle schools, elementary schools. Uh, we had a couple other elementary schools that dumped into Gordon Russell. So you had a whole bunch of new classmates and a lot of new girls. And that's probably when I started really noticing girls and such. And uh, one have girlfriends and such. And uh, yeah, I, I remember calling them on the phone. Yes, we called on our landlines and we talked for hours on the phone and it was fun and I made a lot of great friendships. And then I, this sticks out the most from my seventh grade year in Oregon. We had parties, like parties at our houses and not like alcohol parties or anything like that. Parents were definitely chaperoning Halloween parties and such. I had one at my house. It was a lot of fun. I didn't have a Halloween one. I had just a regular one. Uh, you play games like Spin the Bottle, Truth or Dare, and such. And in one of those games, I had my uh, first French kiss. I do believe I was on my back porch after a game of Truth or Dare. I won't name names just in case she finds this podcast somehow. But yeah, I remember that. And then uh, my world came shattering down. Uh, my stepdad, oh, I told you my parents had gotten... Uh, divorced when I was around six years old. Well, they both met other people uh, shortly thereafter. They're married to them now. I have great step-parents. Um, one of my step-parents happened to be my third grade teacher. She wasn't at the time, but later on became one. Uh, they were definitely dating then. Uh, and my stepdad was my teacher in college later. So I had a lot of great educators, great people looking out for me as I, I grew up in both Gresham and Wyoming. And going back to leaving Oregon, my stepdad got a job at the University of Wyoming as a producer director uh, at UWTV. And so I was living with my mom. We packed up the family and moved to Wyoming. And uh, some of my first impressions of Wyoming, you may have heard this on other podcasts, was I wasn't a big fan. And I remember looking down on Laramie at night, coming from the west on I-80 and being like, this is it. This is the town. This is all there is to it because, well, I came from a big metropolitan area and there was just when you would look to the west, it was all just buildings and houses and, and city uh, of Portland and such. So I wasn't used to this middle of nowhere thing. And uh, when I got here, sorry, folks, sorry, Laramie people, I thought it was a lot of uh, big fish in a small pond. Uh, type scenarios. I didn't always feel uh, accepted in my peers. Um, so I decided to make friends with anybody to be friends with me. And I did. And I played sports and I still had friends in sports. I wasn't that academically inclined and uh, because I'm left-handed and I didn't know anybody else was left-handed till probably uh, maybe middle school or high school. And so I had to mirror everybody when it came to like learning how to write and spell and such. And so I felt I was a step behind. I knew I was a step behind. And then um, my hand would smear the, the pencil or would smear the pen and it make it hard to read. Um, I had no one to teach me how to adjust as a left-hander or had like the notebooks that change. And so it's, I suffered academically. Um, I was more of a, as you can tell, a talk it out person, a uh, put my hands on it type person than I was like a regurgitate how to spell something. I'm a much better smeller now than I was back then. Thank you, uh, autocorrect these days, because after you misspell the same thing over and over again, uh, you uh, learn how to spell it. So 
I didn't like academics. A few classes, I was good at PE and such, and I thought history was interesting, um, but yet I struggled. And uh, I struggled with eligibility sometimes. There was two games I remember in eighth grade not being eligible to play um, because of an English teacher I had, and she just wasn't um, very understanding of my situation for being a teacher or um, gave me a chance. And so my mom backed me up, got me out of that class. I got another English class and excelled, did well. I had a teacher that would work with me. I think I did have one in ninth grade as well named Mr. Gleaves. Uh, if anybody you went to high school or school in Laramie, you probably knew Mr. Gleaves. Uh, he wore all sorts of different ties. He has a wooden tie. He would start every class off with uh, Paul Harvey and the rest of the story and then finish the rest of the story at the end of class. You probably did push-ups if you had him for a teacher. But he actually uh, taught me a lot about writing and understanding uh, the English language. And when I got to Laramie, I made some friends on my street. But my parents had some friends that had some kids, and I became friends with them. Wasn't the best thing for me. Uh, wasn't uh, who I was. I was a good kid, and they weren't necessarily good kids as such. So, But they led me to my high school best friend. Uh, Bill Berzuela, he was a, a bass player in the, and uh, he played in the marching band and such. Loved computers. Uh, and I, I saw him as a fun guy to hang out with. We'd hang out at his house and be up all night. I didn't party in high school because um, I saw athletics as my ticket out. So I wanted to keep my body away from that. Uh, I took to the gym uh, to actually working out in the weight room. Uh, my sophomore year of high school, uh, I excelled at it. Uh, I believe the strength coach would say stuff like, uh, Justin doesn't know his own strength and such. And so uh, I, I really enjoyed that aspect of being an athlete, working out, and just seeing what I could get done with my body and such. And it really paid off my, my senior year of high school and such. And some of the things, activities I was into as a kid uh, in elementary school, uh, definitely into G.I. Joe, Star Wars figures, um, Star Wars movies, all, I just love those things. Um, I also uh, was into collecting comic books for a little bit. I skateboarded for a little bit. Um, I definitely always had music as a part of my life. You didn't know I'm a DJ on cbjradio.com and I, I've, music has always been there for me. Even when I moved to Wyoming uh, and I didn't have a whole lot of friends, I would listen to music and it would help me escape kind of the loneliness of life. So it's always been a big part of my life as well. But during uh, my younger years, uh, a athletics were a big part. You got soccer, you had wrestling, you had football. You had, I, I liked playing basketball. My dad was a really good basketball player growing up, so we'd play basketball a lot together, but I never really played on any organized teams. Um, I did track here and there. Uh, I was a downhill skier in high school. That was a lot of fun, um, hanging out with those guys, trying to compete with some really, really good skiers. And uh, most of them are teammates and such. And uh, what else was I into growing up? Uh, of course, I said uh, girls eventually. And uh, I liked computers and video games and everything. Uh, I had a computer, a Commodore 64, for a long time. So I kind of missed uh, the beginning of Nintendo. All my friends had Nintendo. I might have had one for a year and then went on to the next gaming system. I think I had Sega. Uh, I also had uh, Playstations. I still have a, I have a PlayStation 4 now. So, but I'm not an ultimate gamer like that. I, I play um, in my free time here and there. I don't make it a, a daily routine. Uh, but, but there are those who you who are awesome gamers, more power to you. Hopefully you have sponsorship and that stuff. I see that there's, you can have a team. I mean, it's crazy how gaming has gone from just passing the time to like making money and such. It's pretty interesting. I kind of wish I would have stuck in that world. I wish I would have kind of stuck with computers more but my 64 broke down when I was in like ninth grade or so. So I didn't really get back into computers till college and I was way, way, way behind by then. And I didn't want to major or anything like that uh, in high school. 
I was the president of DECA, which is Distributive Education Clubs of America. It's marketing, advertising, and such. And you take the classes, marketing. I think there's advanced marketing. Um, I think there's an advertising class. And uh, then you have the club, and you would compete in competitions. In particular scenarios, I wasn't very good at it. Um, but yet I liked being the president. It helped me become a more of a public speaker. Learned Robert Rules of Order that way. Uh, got to meet, started meeting other people around the state that I eventually hang out with in college and such because they were in DECA too. And they were something different than Laramie uh, kids. And so high school, it, it was interesting. It was fun. Um, I would say your junior year feels like the most lost year because you're not new and you're not old, but you have a lot of hard classes and you kind of get your ass kicked in sports a little bit if you're reasonably good. And then your senior year, I had a blast my senior year for the most part. Um, I was a varsity athlete in football, started both sides of the ball, was pretty good at it, had a, a serious girlfriend, a uh, first serious girlfriend, first love and all that. Um, had a major injury come from skiing. I hurt my ankle pretty bad, and uh, the injuries still sound today. I sound like a popcorn machine, but yet I was 17 years old, built out of rubber, so I healed a lot faster than I, I would today. It probably would have broke something today or, or tore something today if I had that same kind of injury. Uh, grew out my hair at the end of the year because I wasn't playing football anymore. Or, or if I was going to go play it somewhere else. So it was very, very uncommon for any Laramie High School football player to have long hair. I don't think they would give you a helmet if you had long hair. So uh, everybody had short hair, and it felt good to grow it out at the end of the year and such. And I did get recruited to play football uh, for some smaller schools, and I met with coaches. I went on recruiting trips. Uh, but the bulk of them said to me, you are a lot, I thought you were taller. That's what they said. I thought you were a lot taller. And I think at the time I knew I wasn't growing anymore. I'm about 5'11 right now and dot, dot, dot. And I uh, didn't grow anymore after that. So my fr football career was over. I played in two like all-star, actually three all-star games that summer, two in Australia um, and two and one called the Shrine Bowl which is more of a Wyoming all-star game. The one in Australia, uh, you had to have played football and have $2,000 and you can go to Australia and play in an all-star team against Utah. And it was a riot, I'll tell you this, folks. It was a riot because we're all about 18 years old. You can drink at 18 in Australia. And uh, a lot of Wyoming guys had never been on planes before. So that was a whole different experience to watch them. I traveled back and forth between uh, Portland and Denver uh, seen my dad out in the West, and so I'd be on planes a lot, so I was used to it. So I would mess with my, my teammates here and there about, um, like, turbulence and stuff like that. Uh, it was it was a unique, interesting experience that I got, I got to do. I started drinking while I was in Australia. My first beer there was a, was a uh, Guinness. I don't know, I went that route. I should have got a Foster's, an Australian local beer or something. Tui's was the big uh, local beer there, kind of like Budweiser here, uh, Foster's was basically an export for us Americans to be like, I'm drinking Australian beer, but they never really drank it there. Uh, got to see wild kangaroos, uh, went to a couple different um, rugby games, played some rugby a little bit. Uh, it was a blast. I had a good time, met a lot of friends that would be friends with mine in college as well. And so that's where I really started growing my hair. There was a, the classic haircut. It's coming back today. Shaved on the sides, long on top. That was the haircut I had from after my sister's wedding in July of two, uh, 1992. That's when I graduated high school. I cut that my hair that way and uh, had that haircut probably until Christmas time of my freshman year of college. And because my mom asked me to cut my hair for her Christmas present and I shaved it all off and she wasn't really happy with that shaving it off, but I had cut it so short on the sides that really if I cut the top, it looked weird. So it needed to be shaved all off. I didn't have a bald head, but not much hair on it all. College, 
I didn't get recruited to play football, so I went to the University of Wyoming. I lived in McIntyre Hall and uh, had a roommate. I think his name was Dirk, and he's from Germany, not Dirk Nowinski, but uh, he was 21 years old. And um, it'd be key if I didn't have a fake ID, but I did. I got one of those in Hawaii. A lot of us that went on the Down Under Bowl many different years got fake IDs while we were in Hawaii. Mine was from Oregon. And so he was a roommate that really didn't have a whole lot of stuff. I brought the TV in. I brought the Sega in, um, the lamps, stuff like that. And so uh, he's a nice enough guy. I'm sure he's doing well these days. But I met a friend on the same floor as mine, on the fourth floor, and he was from Laramie. His name's Travis Daniels. Uh, and I didn't know everyone I went to high school with. A class of 300, you don't get to know everyone. Uh, I knew of him uh, because he was a tennis player, soccer player, so he's an athlete like myself. But I didn't really hang out with him all that much. But we saw each other around and we ended up playing uh, video games, playing some Madden together. And eventually his roommate moved out and I moved in with him. And so that's when, like, we had a blast. I remember one night we played basketball, Nerf hoop basketball, but only shot baskets by using our feet and toes and flipping it in. Oh, by the way, it was 2 in the morning. We weren't drunk. I think it was after a Wyoming basketball game. We got a noise complaint that night. Another interesting story about our dorm room. We both had goldfish. And his goldfish were named Alaj and Juan because he was a Houston Rockets fan. So it was Alaj Juan, Akeem Alaj Juan. And uh, the, uh, my goldfishes were named Kelly and Dylan after 90210. And so that's about the time period we were in college. Interesting side story of 90210. I didn't watch it while I was in high school. I got into college. I believe it was the second year it was on the air. And I was like, what's this show all about? So I started watching it and I was hooked. Fast forward to my second year of college, I live in the dorms again, and I had a room by myself, and uh, down the hallway, a guy had like just major kick-ass speakers. He would crank 90210, he would turn it all the way up uh, and open his door, and you would hear very clearly every Wednesday night, so I just opened my door and listened to 90210, and so those are some interesting side stories about 90210. My freshman year of college, uh, loved it, but wasn't great at the academic side. Um, it was tough to have that much freedom. And being able to sleep in or skip a class here and there, it, it was too easy compared to high school. And so I didn't get it. And I also didn't get how to take notes. It wasn't something I'd learned in high school very well. And so I would probably take notes on all the wrong subjects. And so, yeah, it wasn't my best semester ever at the University of Wyoming. Things did get better. Uh, I didn't know what I wanted to major in when I got to the University of Wyoming. I thought maybe marketing. I thought maybe being a teacher. Uh, but I had no clue. But my stepdad, who ran uh, UWTV and taught a lot of classes in the broadcasting field, was like, why don't you be an intern for me? Because I had already carried equipment my senior year of high school for a news station. My stepdad would pay me out of his pocket. It was a side job I had. Uh, my parents didn't let me work and go to school and play sports. So if I did work, it was during the summers. But this job was actually doing the school year. And I would carry equipment for K2 uh, News in Wyoming uh, back when the recording a game had like a camera on your shoulder and then a cord that went into like a, a deck, a recording deck. And I would carry that around for uh, the cameraman, and it was really fun. And I got to have like many press conferences uh, for Laramie High football on Saturdays after I'd played on Friday night. And it was great because linemen never got any love in the press. And well, I got to give my two cents worth, worth each Sunday to our reporter and maybe the other team's reporter as well. So fast forward, I said back to uh, college. I did intern for my stepdad my first semester of college as a UWTV intern. Loved it and decided to make broadcasting my major. And wow, that was a good idea. Led to so many great opportunities. Led to so many great friends. A lot of them have been on this podcast. Go check them out. You got Christian, you got Jeannie, you got Carrie 
Uh, I do believe Tara was on in broadcasting as well. Uh, who else? I'm probably leaving out somebody that I, I talked to about broadcasting uh, that was broadcasting major. Oh, Kristen Mackey, she was broadcasting major as well. Uh, go check out those episodes and, and listen to us talk about the, the broadcasting years, the broadcasting world. It was a lot of fun. Uh, we had access to a lot of things people our same ages at other universities were not having access to. And it, it, I just had a blast with it. I didn't, didn't lead to like a great paying job or anything. It basically led us to be uh, workers in small town news stations. And uh, I didn't like that, so I went to New York and uh, decided if I can make it there, I can make it anywhere and worked at a TV station there because I didn't want to work for any Wyoming station. I thought I was much better, and I probably was. Uh, I didn't want to move to Denver, sadly enough, because I don't like any of the sports teams there, and it would drive me bonkers to live in Denver. So I knew I had to go somewhere else. I made connections in New York, and so that seemed like the logical place to go and try to find a TV job, and I did eventually. But in college... Uh, I got the chance to, I, I videotaped every like Wyoming game, like sports, like football always, basketball always, women's basketball, women's volleyball, uh, golf, swimming, um, softball, not softball, uh, soccer, wrestling. Yeah, any sport, I probably had a camera there at some point. And it was a great time and I got to work on some great shows as well. Got to do a lot of interviews myself uh, long before I ever got on this side of the microphone because uh, I always wanted to be behind the scenes. I thought that was the best place to be. I didn't think I was that talented of a person to be in front of the camera, but I think that changed later in life or be in front of a microphone that changed later in life. A few memorable moments from my college life that I can remember. As I get older, things get a little more blurrier. Uh, I coached fifth and sixth grade football. That was a blast. I coached fourth and fifth grade basketball. Even more fun. I was more successful at coaching basketball, even though football was kind of my sport. I was probably more passionate about uh, winning and such, but it was fun to teach kids how to play football and basketball. Had a lot of fun with it. Another big uh, milestone in my college career was getting a job at Camp Echo in upstate New York, in the Catskill Mountains. I worked there from 1996 to 1999, no, maybe 2000, 2000. And uh, I was a counselor, I was a division leader, a group division leader, a couple of us were division leaders together of the seventh and eighth grade. And then I was the division leader in my last couple of years of the oldest kids and they paid me to go to places like California, Washington, D.C., Toronto, amusement parks, to the movies and such. Uh, I met a lot of great people working there. Met my, I guess now, ex-wife while I was working there. Uh, I met some great friends that later became my friends when I lived in New York. And uh, it, was, it was a good time. It was definitely a big milestone in my college career and our college life, that is. We had a lot of parties in, in college. I'm not going to sugarcoat this. I was a bit of a wild man. Uh, we used to have some great New Year's Eve parties because everyone that went away to college would be home then. And uh, then everybody that uh, was still in Laramie would party. And we'd have parties for them. I've had them at my parents' house, my apartments, uh, a downtown apartment, my friends' apartments. It's been it was really fun. So you probably might remember Ray and I and Wheat and Rick and Robert from those parties and such, uh, the crew guys I hung out with uh, then. And then a, uh, another milestone during my college age years, I became a DJ. And it all happened. I believe this story happened this way. It could have been different. I'd been going to the parlor bar in Laramie. It's above the Buckhorn. It's been notorious like hip-hop bar. And uh, I'd go, been going since I was 20 at that fake ID. Uh, a couple weeks after turning 21, one of the managers came up to me and was like, Rude, you like music? And I was like, yes, I do. He's like, you want to be a DJ for us? And I was like, yes, I do. 
even though I had no clue how to be a DJ besides carry my CDs in in a milk crate, which I saw the other DJs do. So I became a DJ at the parlor, uh, and then it just took off from there. And I was always just rude, who happens to be a DJ. I got my nickname, gosh, got to go back to uh, elementary school or middle school. Uh, my older sister was the first rude, and uh, we had the same coach, Mr. Hudson, and she had him for track. And since it's hard to say our last name, Flaska Rude, uh, he shortened it to Rude, so she became Rude first. I came along six years later and played football for him, and I became Rude too. And that was my nickname in Oregon in sixth and seventh grade, I do believe, or maybe just seventh grade. And then moved to Wyoming, did not go by Rude at all, and uh, got to my sophomore year of high school. We're playing uh, sports and PE, maybe soccer, maybe baseball or softball, I don't know, I'm not sure. And my friend Mark Ruggles was like, Flask Rude, you're rude now, because I was also wearing a rude dog t-shirt and my name was Flask Rude, so I became rude. That's how I got the nickname Rude. Uh, eventually I got it tattooed on my left shoulder or my left arm, uh, still there today, love it. And uh, so took that and was a DJ and uh, people be like Rude the DJ, but not necessarily DJ Rude. That came years later after I'd gone to New York, moved back. And so I bounced around a lot of different bars, uh, being a DJ, being a bartender, being a bouncer, um, because I spent a lot of time there and I said, might as well have a job working there. Plus, uh, my other job was working for UWTV. It kept me pretty busy, but in the summer times it died back, during breaks died back, and so it was always good to have a job that, that kept you working, like being a DJ. And then I worked summer jobs, like I said, the, the summer camp, working there for four summers in a row uh, was fun, because... I do remember this. It was sleeting on 4th of July, 1995, and we're watching the fireworks here in Laramie, July 4th, and I was like, I'm never going to spend another summer here again, and I didn't for until 2003, so almost, well, about eight years um, I did that. Uh, yeah, eight years. Wow. I didn't spend a summer in Laramie, and now I love the summers here. Uh, all the college students leave, all the locals go out and have fun and enjoy restaurants and bars and parks and, and all sorts of funness. And the weather is just great because it's not brutally hot and it's a lot warmer than it is during the wintertime in Laramie, Wyoming. So we'll go back to uh, college. After I graduated college, I took a job. I didn't take a job. I moved to New York with hopes of getting a job in TV. And uh, I ended up a freelance uh, editor for News 12 Long Island. And then I worked other part-time jobs that included delivering newspapers, working at Blockbuster. Um, gosh, I know I had other ones, but I had other jobs uh, there until I became a part-time worker and then filled in my other hours at the news station with extra shifts that people didn't want. Uh, I learned a lot working at that news station. I learned to be a more efficient uh, videographer, editor. I, I learned how to drive pretty aggressively. Um, we had to go to different uh, locations without Google Maps. We had these big, big maps that had grid coordinates on it. So our assignment desk could be like, you know, book seven, A5, look there. Okay, so it was easy to do that on page 12. And so you can uh, find where you need to go, your location there. And I got to work in some sports, which was my forte, which I absolutely love doing in New York. I wish I could have uh, stayed at that job just to work sports. Uh, I got to go in the jet locker room. I got to be on the field. This wasn't necessary for sports. The first game after 9-11. Uh, what else did I get to do? I covered a lot of basketball. I covered a lot of um what do you call it, uh, lacrosse. I'd never shot lacrosse ever before, videotaped it. And I was covering for the sports guy, and I told uh, the sports uh, assignment editor and sports anchor, and they were like, oh, great, what do we got ourselves into? But they loved my footage when I came back with it, and they said I shot it better than the sports guy that was for currently full-time. So they're like, well, what, how do you do it? And I'm just like, follow the ball, and I kind of know sports, so... Uh, lacrosse wasn't that different than like a hockey or a soccer. So 
I felt comfortable doing it. Um, some other stuff I got to do out there, go to see concerts, saw some Wu-Tang Clan. I got into jam band music out there because of my friends. Uh, we saw Keller Williams, we saw Strange Folk. I've seen Train. I've seen a lot of more set. I've seen Matchbox 20. Um, who else? Oh, a Hair Rock Show with Poison, Dawkins, Cinderella. And uh, who else? Uh, Winger? I don't know. I can't remember. We missed that part of it. Uh, it was at Jones Beach. Um, so New York was fun, but I couldn't really live there the rest of my life. Um, my ex-wife and I get started fighting about three years in. Uh, we learned that we were really opposite of each other and probably shouldn't be married. And so I, I got a job back in Wyoming. And back in Wyoming, uh, I moved. And I didn't realize how much I missed the place until I left. And it was at the University of Wyoming. I became a assistant producer director for a couple years. And during those couple years, I became a DJ again. And that's when I became DJ Rude. A lot of you know me as DJ Rude. And that was at Lovejoy's, a little bit at the Buckhorn, some other places, but primarily at Lovejoy's. So many great fuzzy memories from that place. Uh, my nights were Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And Thursday nights were pitcher night, uh, pitchers of booze for $8. And one night I came in and my friends formed like, uh, like they do with uh, the Marines where they put the swords up and people walk under it. They all do it with pitchers. So about 10 deep on each side had their pitchers up in the air uh, for me to walk under. It was, it was pretty entertaining. Uh, if you ever were there while I was DJing the song, Posse's on Broadway, we bust out chairs and it'd be like a whole driving scene. That was a whole lot of fun. You probably saw a lot of streaking, not by me, when I was a DJ at Lovejoy's. Uh, we made South Park on Wednesday nights the thing to do, to go and watch at Lovejoy's. It'd be a rustling, bustling party. Music would be on. South Park come. Music would go off. We'd watch South Park for half an hour, do man bear pig shots, have a whole lot of fun, and then get back to a normal bar scene. And so, yeah, Lovejoy's definitely was a lot of fun. I felt like a college kid without having to uh, study any classes of any sorts. And uh, I started going to concerts then. Red Rocks became a spot for me. I spoke about it in the intro of the show. I've seen so many bands play or seen Widespread Panic play there a lot. And uh, it's just fun nearby. Uh, get to go camping out here. I haven't got back into any winter sports yet. Uh, my favorite thing to do in the winter is, well, try to stay warm here in Wyoming because we all know if you're from this area, it gets really cold in the wintertime. There's a whole lot of snow, but you can get a week's full of negative temperatures, and that's never fun to live in. So now that I'm back in uh, Laramie, Wyoming, uh, I've been here 18 years. And when I first moved back, I thought five. I said five years, and then I'm out. And uh, no. Didn't happen. I kept advancing in my job. I, in the last, about 10 years ago, I met a great girl. We've been together ever since. We bought a house together. We do everything together. Uh, Tia, she's been a, a great influence in my life and a great partner to have. And so, but I had to date a lot of women between my ex-wife and her to figure out that it was her uh, that I wanted, that it was her I was looking for. So, if you're one of those girls I dated, um, sorry, I don't know if we were the best couple. We're not together now. You're probably married and have kids, so you made a good decision in, in breaking up with me or, or letting me break up with you. Uh, but, yeah, that that's, was my dating history in college. A lot of dating history. Uh, I wanted to meet and greet all the women that I, I thought I didn't know, give them a chance, uh, because I knew after I got divorced that I was going to be me. And I was going to say, this is who I am. This is how I act. If you don't like it, the line forms the left of other girls that do. And uh, that just worked out for me better at dating people and such. Hopefully, uh, you're not one of the girls that are mad at me right now for saying anything like that that I dated in the past. Uh, I hope all is well in your world. Uh, and then, um, let's see, the last 10 years... Um, in 2010, I stopped being a bar DJ for the most part. I did some spot gogs, but jobs here and there. I, DJ, I started DJing weddings, events, and such, but I'm not going to be the old guy in the corner playing his music, not the most popular music out. So I'd have no desire to be a, a bar DJ again. 
Um, I got on a community radio station, KOCA, as my first radio station job here in Laramie, 93.5 that is. It was predominantly Spanish speaking, it still is. And I developed an audience with Jamming with DJ Root, a show that is still going on today. I think I started that in 2011 and uh, developed the audience and then ended up taking it to an internet radio station that my buddy and another guy started up in Sheridan and started doing more shows for that station. And that included like The Primer, which I still do now, um, an 80s show. Uh, I, have a, I have a show these days because we're on a different station that I half own. I half own a station with Jeff Rickett, cbjradio.com. I do a Tuesday night show called The Fallout. Uh, covers music, sports, entertainment news. Uh, we go over like box office mo- movie results, UFC sports, uh, some wrestling news. Uh, but I play a whole lot of different kind of music. Then I got jamming with DJ Root on Thursday nights, which is all jam band music for about three hours. So like, you know, 10 songs cover three hours if you listen to jam band music. Uh, it's a great fun show. And then we got the primer on Friday nights. It's a hip hop show. Uh, kind of very similar to what I did as a DJ. I try to keep bring that vibe in, a DJ at the bars and such. I try to be bring that vibe into the show so it may not be uh, all the latest and greatest hip-hop, but it'll probably get you dancing and drinking. Saturday, there's an 80s show I'm involved with called The Forgotten 80s. And then uh, Jeff and I trade off weeks of hosting a show called Nothing But A Good Time, and it is all glam metal. Yeah, so I did. Th- I started that, and I started this podcast in the last 10 years. I started it during COVID, and it's been great talking to my friends. And now I'm I'm putting that mic- that microscope on me and trying to tell you all my life stories that, that I haven't really told during the podcast with my friends or what I think and, and such. And so um, let's see. What haven't I covered? Uh, my siblings. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Rochelle, Shannon, and Bree, three sisters. Uh, I get along with them great. We kind of live all over the country. Shannon lives in Camas, Washington. My little sister lives in Las Vegas, Nevada. My, my mom and her dad live there. And then um, my sister, older sister, lives in Frisco, Texas. And she's been out in Texas, got 15 years, maybe 20 years. And, and so we remain in touch. We don't always get to see each other. Facebook uh, keeps us in touch with each other. We do text. Um, we got into some family Zoom time during the whole pandemic. Uh, I definitely lived in the shadow of my older sister. She's an amazing woman. And uh, in elementary school, we had all the same teachers, and she excelled in, in, in the classroom. And so they're like, well, Rochelle didn't do that that way. And, and I got tired of hearing that. And like I said, she was the original rude and uh, after de- getting a little sister, I developed that middle child syndrome of look at me, look at me. And you probably can tell that now with the stuff I do in my life. Um, I'm very much a look at me, look at me type guy. But I'm the only boy in the whole mix. So I get treated a little differently. Um, my older sister and my younger sister probably say I'm the favorite sometimes. And I only say I'm the favorite because my mom raised some strong, independent women and they're going to fight with each other. And my, my sisters get in fights with my mom more than I do. Um, I'm also, yeah, being a middle child, I know how to keep the peace uh, between siblings. And so that's just my natural role in life. Uh, I would like to see my sisters more, but I'm not, just not going to really dwell on that. I do get to see them as much as I can. And uh, my little sister and I have a, a great relationship as well. Um, I was more like a, another adult figure in her life for a long time. I had a lot to do with her, um, how she was raised and such, and spent a lot of time. She actually probably helped me uh, not go out and party. I babysat, got pizza, watched movies. Um, I was easily bribable by my parents uh, not to get into that kind of stuff. So uh, as much as she influenced my life, or I influenced her life, she influenced mine. She's a 49ers fan because of me. Most of my fa- family is uh, Seattle Seahawks fans. But the moment my little sister could start talking, I was like, Niners, Niners. And, well, she's a Niner fan, and I love it. And my stepsister, you know, honestly, I, I didn't really get a chance to grow up with her in our later years. We did a lot of family vacations when I was younger. I remember being in 
uh, my stepmom's Honda. I can't believe how, how all of us fit in there. My dad, my stepmom, my older sister, my stepsister, myself in the back. Wow. I don't know how we all fit in that vehicle looking back and thinking about that. And we went to all sorts of great places. I mean, we're lava tunnels. We've gone to plays. Uh, we've gone to Christmas lightings. We've done a lot of cool stuff, seen a lot of artwork. Um, that is probably just a byproduct of growing up with my stepmom and uh, her love for art and nature and stuff. So uh, those years when I actually lived in Oregon and my parents were divorced, I did get a lot of, do a lot of cool stuff with my dad and stepmom. And uh, so I got to know my stepsister then. But yeah, we got older, we got changed. She went to high school, college. I went to high school, college. Um, I don't see her as much as uh, I used to. I don't get out to the West as much as I do and used to. I'm sorry about that. I need to do that more. I love Oregon. I love the Pacific Northwest. And mark my words here on my podcast that I'll be back there sooner than later. And maybe I'll interview some of my uh, former classmates and such while I'm out there for a podcast or something. So if you're interested, let me know. I've already interviewed uh, Joey Miller and Alton Blaze that grew up out in Gresham as well. Check them out on earlier podcasts. Uh, my parents, I think I'm a total mama's boy for sure. Uh, I get along with her just swimmingly and uh, not like I don't love my other parents, but I'm pretty sure I'm a mama's boy and everything like that. Uh, I, I grew up with dogs all my life. And uh, when my dog, Phoenix, died suddenly, just out of the blue, when she was like seven years old, it really ripped my heart out. She was living with my parents. I was in college. And I just couldn't bring myself to own another pet. I just didn't have time or, or the place to do it as. And uh, about 12 years ago, I got a cat. His name's Carl. And he changed my life. He made me come home after DJing. He made me take care of something more than a plant. And it's been great. And I swear I learned something new about cats each and every day. Then we got an Althea, our other cat, in about 2013. And she's a completely different cat than Carl. Carl is uh, an alpha male. Uh, it's his house. I just happen to live there. Um, he definitely dominates it. He, he gets a little uh, uh, overstimulated, as, as the vet said, uh, basically bitey. And uh, that sucks. But ever since we got Althea, that kind of calmed down. Um, Althea is a scaredy cat. And uh, she doesn't like any new people over the house. She'll hide under the bed. We call it going to your hole. And uh, except for our one friend, Marcus, which she loves to hang out with. She likes him a lot. But they're completely kind of opposite cats. Carl's nearly three times as big as her. So when he wants to dominate her, he does. I really hate it when he does that. Because, uh, you know, we love Althea. And, and she doesn't like that. And so... Uh, he, he does it every often, so often. I think he thinks it's his cat, not our cat. It's his cat. And so they have a pretty interesting relationship because I'll come home from work at lunchtime or after work, and they'll be, like, cuddled up on the bed. They rarely let us see them cuddled up, like, when we're at home. So that, that's pretty interesting uh, as well. Um, my life has been amazing. Um, I know sometimes... Uh, we get ourselves down and we get into to ruts in our lives where we don't think um, it'll ever get any better. Um, I mean, I, I have diabetes. That totally changed my life. And But once you get through that, it's just going to be part of your life and how you have to maintain things. It doesn't really get you down as much. Um, I do have anxiety and uh, I, got, I got treated for it. So I take some anxiety medicine. And if you have anxiety and you don't have a grip on it, Talk to your doctor, talk to a healthcare provider about getting some um, medicine for it. Because, wow, it was a total life changer. I started up in early May, and it takes about a month to make it effective. And I remember at the end of May driving down the road going, I'm happy. I feel really happy. I don't have that impending doom feeling. And I used to get really like depressed after like drinking one night and not knowing why I was depressed the next day. Uh, it's because of my anxiety, and I'm glad that I, I'm getting a grip on it, got a control on it. Uh, I do listen to um, meditation stuff to help with that. And uh, But like I said, if you are suffering from anxiety, 
talk to someone about it. Maybe they can help you out. Maybe you need some medicine for it or maybe some meditation for it. But you shouldn't have to suffer with anxiety by yourself. Not everyone has anxiety or should know how to live with anxiety. Or just because you're getting older gives you anxiety. No, that's not the case. You should, you should be a happy person and not have anxiety. Yes, there are things in life that will get you excited, that will give you some anxiety, but those go away. You shouldn't just feel like the impending world doom is coming or if you just go out one night that everything bad's gonna happen. That's where I was at. And I'm glad I'm not there anymore. And it, it's just a miracle medicine, kind of like my diabetes medicines, keeping me alive, keeping me happy. Uh, in the next, you know, in my future, uh, I got about eight more years at the University of Wyoming until I can collect my full retirement. Not means I'm going to retire, but some decisions could be could be made then. Uh, I do enjoy working at the university and everything, but I can't believe I've been here 25 years and just eight years away. It's pretty amazing. And I've changed a whole lot. Uh, I had uh, one of my student employees, uh, maybe 2010 or so, ask me what I was into. He thought I was like a reborn Christian or something. And I was like, wow, you haven't heard of DJ Root. That's good. I'm glad that um, reputation isn't a permanent reputation with people. There's a lot of you out there that know me as DJ Root, and we partied and we drank a lot and everything. But there's also a lot of you that know me from the University of Wyoming and, and see me as this guy that knows video, knows IT and such. And that's okay with me. I don't want to be defined by my job by any means. I, I just work to live. I don't live to work. And because uh, I like doing a lot of things, I like to go to concerts. I love going to football games. Uh, I like camping. I like traveling and such. And so my job gives me the opportunity to do those things and, well, work with some of the best technology around. It's great. It's fun. And it gives me insight to where the world will hopefully be in the future when it comes to technology. Now, I always ask this last question to myself, and uh, not to myself, to the guest. It's, how did we, we meet? Well, I think that first time I looked at a mirror is probably how we met. Uh, I don't remember it at all, but, you know, I've always been there for myself. And, uh, you know, no matter where you go, there you are and such. And... Uh, I think I like I whom today, but I'm also working on myself to be a better person tomorrow. Um, I also uh, want to help and elevate others as much as possible. And uh, yeah, so I've lived a pretty good life. Hope you uh, enjoyed this story. It kind of went over the highlights of my life. I didn't necessarily get into too many specific details. I may have left out some stories that you wanted me to talk about, and maybe we will if I get you on my show. Friends, I am still looking for an artist or artist to make an intro for the show or just transition music like you just heard. Guitar, drums, bass, flutes, I don't care. Let me know if that's you or if you know that artist. I will promote that artist every day on this show. And you can connect with me on my Facebook page, All My Friends with Justin Flaskrude. Or if you know me in person, you can text me, PM me, DM me, however you know me on social media. Let me know. I do have an email if you want to email me, rudedaddy, R-U-D-E-D-A-D-D-Y, at hotmail.com. Just hit me up on the All My Friends with Justin Flaskrude Facebook page. I will promote that music. I, I will love it. I will play it all the time. I will use it all the time, and I'll talk about the artist. Now, folks, I hope you got to know me a little better during this episode. Uh, I didn't necessarily hang all my intimate personal details out there or my family's as well. Uh, I didn't want to cry in the show or making anybody else cry. Um, I've had a blast doing this podcast. Uh, I hope to get other guests going. Uh, I kind of laxed in it getting a guest for this week because I was at widespread panic, like I said. And so I got some lined up for the weeks ahead. So we should have a new guest next episode. And on to that episode. <laughs>